Becky, Jessica, thank you. That was so worshipful. Amen. And soulful. It helped me today. Amen. Go to Psalm chapter 87. I'm glad for the way the song service has gone today because the Lord's led me to talk about the glory of the church. Thank God for the church. We've been doing this series of messages on salvation. The Lord just keeps giving me a little bit more and a little bit more. We dealt with faith and repentance and being born again of the Spirit, importance of the Scriptures, justification, a message on glorification, our one-day home called heaven. Amen? And uh, we've, we've just had a wonderful conference on missions, evangelism, and uh, last Sunday we talked about the first step of being a, a, a saved person, born again, a Christian, is declaring our faith boldly in Jesus Christ. And one of the first steps you can take as a Christian to do that, that very thing is scriptural baptism. And so we've had some baptisms, had some souls saved of late, and, and God has, I think, been moving in our church. Another step, I believe, maybe the next step, if you want to look at it that way, is being part of a local church. I mean, getting in a local church. Jesus died. He loves the church, and he died for the church. And I, I don't understand today the thinking of many churches and Christians that just don't want to have anything to do with what they call the organized church. I'm not going to be a wise guy this morning. I have something I'd say after that, but they don't want to have anything to do with the organized local church. But the Bible talks about the glory of the church. And in uh, Psalm chapter 87 this morning, I want you to notice these first seven verses. This psalm is about the citizenship in Zion, Zion being Jerusalem. But this, this text and these verses are a type and a picture of the Christian church. And uh, often Zion in song is talking about the church. And it says here in Psalm 87, verse 1, His foundation is in the holy mountains. The Lord loveth the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Glorious things are spoken of thee, O city of God, Selah. I will make mention of Rahab and Babylon to them that know me. Behold, Philistia and Tyre with Ethiopia, this man was born there. And of Zion, it should be said, this, and this man was born her, born in her. And the, high, the highest himself shall establish her. The Lord shall count when he writeth up the people that this man was born there, Selah. As well the singers as the players of instruments shall be there. I like this part. All my springs are in thee. Oh, God loves Zion. He loved the city of God for the people of God. But in type for us, the church, this is expression of the church that Jesus loved and died for. Glorious things of thee are spoken, O city of God. Ephesians 3.21, Unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. In chapter 5, verse 27, Paul goes on and says that he might present to himself a glorious church, 
not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. And so I thank God for the church. God loves the church, and you ought to love the church as a believer. Maybe you're a new convert. Love the church. Get in the church. Serve God in the church. God has gifted every believer to use those gifts within the body of Christ to bless and encourage the saints, but to honor and glorify God. Amen? So we're going to talk about the church today out of this psalm. Psalm 87. Let's pray. Father, we, we feel like we've had a little bit of worship here today. That song was just beautiful, God. It just touched my heart. Lord, I want you to be pleased. I want you to smile on me, Lord, now and then. Uh, Lord, I want to hear your voice say, well done. Help us, Lord. In this dispensation of grace, this church age, to lift up your son, Jesus Christ. High, Lord. Help us to live lives that are holy and godly that we might, we might honor you in the way we live our daily life. Help us to raise godly, godly children, Lord. Help this church to produce in its many ministries converts that grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord that come to a place of maturity. Lord, let them love the church as we love the church. Lord, help me to preach this morning. Be with the deaf as they gather around thy word today. Be with the children in the junior church. May you get glory today in this church. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The church, first of all, has a sure foundation. I'm thankful for that. Amen. Psalm 87, verse 1, notice it says, His foundation is in the holy mountains. Anything that intends to last any length of time must have a good foundation. A marriage, a family, anything that we put our hands to. See, we often sometimes as Christians feel that we have a secular life and we have a spiritual life. We have a out there world life and then we have an in here church life. But for the Christian, listen now, everything is spiritual. We need to have a firm foundation. Thank God for the church. But the church's sure foundation is Jesus Christ the Lord. Matthew 16, 18 and I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And they were not talking about Peter there. They were talking about the statement that Peter just made. And, G and Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter means Petros. It means little stone or pebble. Jesus is the rock. He's the sure foundation. Our faith rests upon the rock, the mountain. Of Christ, Jesus was not referring to Peter, but to Peter's profession of faith. First Peter 2, 4, to whose coming as a lively stone, disallowed of men, but chosen of God, precious. Who is that precious cornerstone? First Corinthians 3 and verse 11, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Christ Jesus, or Jesus Christ our Lord. I thank God for the church. It has a sure foundation. You know, throughout the, the scripture, the church is seen as a building or a temple or an edifice. That's where the word 
edifying one another in the body of Christ. It means to build upon, to edify, edifice, one stone upon another, bringing strength and unity. Those buildings, those temples, are a picture of our precious cornerstone, Christ, and we're the stones. God has allowed us to be part of the body of Christ, the assembly of the saints. 1 Peter 2.6, where Wherefore also it is contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. And he that is, believeth in him shall not be uh, confounded. Don't let that elect word bother you. There's an elect Jesus, there's the elect people Israel, and there's elect church. God's intent for every believer to be uh, in that church and function in that church and Join that happy assembly. We're called a called out assembly. Called out of this world of sin and sorrow. But the first thing about any building is the foundation. To stand strong. To be solid. To be settled. You, you want a good marriage. You want a good family. Then you stand upon Jesus Christ. Amen. The church is one foundation. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 verse 24 through 29. He gave a parable about the abundant life. Go, go there. We'll, we'll take time to read it. I won't just reference it. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Jesus says in verse 24, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came. Verse 25 of Matthew 7. And the wind blew and, the, and beat... Uh, upon that house, and it fell, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, listen now, and doth not, uh, doth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Verse 28, and it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. What was he teaching about? He's teaching about the church's foundation. He being the foundational stone to build a life upon. So many people are building their life upon sand today. Hey, build your life upon Christ, the rock, the foundation for a, for a wonderful life. I've said this many times. I thank God I got hope of heaven. We, we preach on the glorification of the saints. One day we're going to heaven because Jesus died on the cross for us, shed his blood for us, washed away our sin debt. Thank God for that. But I'm thankful for the church. I'm thankful for this life, the life I have in Jesus Christ. It's a wonderful life. Oh, I wouldn't have had any of it outside of Jesus. Oh, I'm so thankful for, the, for Jesus Christ, for the church. Psalm 87 in verse 1, again, we're talking about the foundation. He says, his foundation is in the holy mountains. The foundation of the earth is said to be insecure, but the foundation of the church is steadfast and sure. I'm so grateful that we have these truths. So the church has a, has a sure foundation. If you're a newly saved, a new convert, if you've been saved but never been through maybe discipleship, you don't... Know all these truths. Listen, I want, number one, listen to this. The church is important in your life. Get in the church. 
Get in the church. Serve in the church. Worship together with brothers and sisters in Christ in the church. Thank God for the church. Don't listen to those voices out there that are telling you you don't need the church. You do need the church. Second of all, the church is a special object of God's love. We're the bride of Christ. We're special. Some of you come from a past, you say, I'm not special. I don't feel special. I don't feel worthy. You're special. I'm special. Because I've been washed. You know, I'm, I'm the bride of Christ and he's bringing out spot and wrinkle in me. It's a process. It's called, it's called, it's called sanctification. Every day being more like Christ. And it's, it's not a finished process on this side of eternity. But one day... I'll stand before him complete in him. Thank God. The church is a special object of God's love. Look at verse 2. The Lord loveth the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. God loves his church. Our God loves this world, meaning everyone in it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believed in him should not perish but have Everlasting life. Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I like that. Yet sinners, he died for us. Who does that? Only him. Knowing what we are and what we were and our propensity of sin, but yet he loves us in spite of all that. Amen. I appreciate Brother Mackay. He has such a fresh desire to reach the nations. That's what the Bible says. And again, if you ever have the opportunity to go to that ministry, it's just a very eclectic ministry of all kinds of people from all nations and languages and peoples. And it's just, it's the way God intended it. The church is all people from everywhere that bend the knee and trust Christ and then worship the Lord as a called out assembly. God has a special love for Zion here in the scriptures. And again, a picture of his special love for his church. Isaiah 6 and verse, 62 verse 4 talks about Hepzibah. And that word Hepzibah meaning my delight is in her. And the Lord has delight in the church. Oh my goodness. This is an expression of God's love for his church. You know, in these verses, he says in verse 2, the gates of Zion, and then he mentions the dwelling places of Jacob. They're complete opposites. God has taken us out of the dwellings of Jacob. We were surplanters and schemers. Remember what Jacob was before he became Israel? He was a wheeler dealer, man. But God got a hold of him, wrestled with him, and God conquered and then Jacob become Israel and he started to walk with God. That's God's intent for us. To come to him and the fleshly is put aside and the spiritual is born. And one of the main things that bring about spiritual maturity of the saints is the church. Again, we're thrown back to the idea of the importance of the church. Thank God. The Lord loves the church. He has a special love for the assembly of God's people. This assembly. You know, we went away for these couple days, just the, the 20 couples, the 40. And I, I'm I enjoyed it so much as pastor, I just sat back and watched the fellowship and the love and, and the fun and the, 
They're just a unity. And, and that's how I feel about this local church. And everybody that goes to a local church, they should feel that way about the body that they're in, about that local assembly of, of saints. I'm so thankful there's so many churches that have so much disunity and disharmony and, 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 and not getting along. That's not God's will. It's God's will that we all be in harmony. Bring glory to the Lord. Amen. Matthew 18, 20. Whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Hebrews 10, 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Listen, as the manner of some is. But exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. This day where people don't want to go to church is not of God. They don't want to be part of the church. That's not of God. May we fully understand that Jesus joys in the church when we're gathered together. What's going on right here in this assembly? God is he, he's in joy of this. This is what he planned for the saints. Now, I've heard uh, men talk about going home. Not everybody can say this, but I've heard some men go home say, that, you know, I go walk in the door and I love my home. It is a little bit of heaven on earth. Now, you may not feel that way. It ought to be that way. But it ought to be that way when we walk into church. A little bit of heaven on earth. The preparation of going there. So, God loves the church. The church consists of all those who are truly born again. Now, there are people that say they're saved, but they're not saved. It's sad, as a preacher through the years, I've known people that have Gone to church, but I, in my heart I wondered, are they really saved, been born again? I've never heard a clear testimony of their faith. They don't seem to have any joy. They don't want to serve God. They want really nothing to do with the church outside of how the church benefits them. And I wonder, and I'm concerned because I, I sure enough don't want somebody to go to hell sitting on a seat of a pew at a church. But it happens. Church consists, listen, the true church of all those that are truly born again. Look at the psalm. Look at Psalm 87. Look at verse 4. I will make mention of Rahab in Babylon to them that know me. What a story of grace. Rahab, the harlot. Undeserving, but she's here mentioned. Behold, Philistia and Tyre and Ethiopia. This man was born there. In Zion, it shall be said, this and that man was born in her, and the highest himself shall establish her. Hey, there's not one in this place that deserves heaven to be called a saint, to be, to be in the assembly. We're all Rahabs. But by grace we've been saved, set apart. Oh my goodness. What a, what a picture of God's wonderful mercy and grace. Again, the true church. I'm not talking about everybody says they're part of the church. I'm talking about those that are truly born again. By the way, are you born again? You ever been truly saved? Don't just say, I go to church. I went to church as a kid. Uh, that, that's, hey, listen, I'm glad people go to church. But you've got to be in the church. I mean, you need to be born again of the Spirit. God placed. Are you saved? Are you sure? Are you settled in that truth in your heart? The church is about the believing people called out from all the nations. Again, this word, I'm not trying to impress you, but it's ecclesia. 
which has to do with um, a called out group or assembly. Israel was called a called out assembly at their time. The church is also called that. I'm glad I'm part of that group. Acts 15, 14, uh, God at the first did visit the Gentiles, it says, to take out of them a people for his name. For his name. The Holy Spirit through the preached word and the read word and the heard word. That's why it's so important that people get the word of God. Being born again, not of corruptible but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. That's why these missionaries come through. So we've got to get the word of God to people. They need the word of God. That's how people get saved. The Holy Spirit takes the word of God and convicts them and brings them to saving faith. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, For by one spirit are we all baptized in the one body, whether we be Jew or Gentile. 2 Timothy 3, 5, Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. See, people can have the form. People can have the structure, but, but deny the power. The miracle of the new birth is being part of the family of God. Now, there's that old song, I'm so glad I'm part of the family of God. I am. John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 12 says, But as many as receive him to them can be power to become the sons of God. See that word power? That's his work. Even to them that believe in his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Get this in your head. You must be born again. There had to be a time and place where the Holy Spirit convicted you and introduced you to Christ and you received him by faith in your heart and life. Are you truly saved? What an honor and a privilege to be part of this family of God. I mean the church, this church. I'm so grateful. To sit around at the rich table of God's grace and goodness. Amen. The banquet hall, if you would, of his presence. This is like being away for these last few days around these couples. I just sat back and enjoyed the fellowship that was going on. It was a sweet spirit. Brother Gene the other night got up and testified and he led that song. There's a sweet, sweet Spirit in this place, and I know that it's the Spirit of the Lord. It's a great song, but when that old, pre old preacher, that old saint got up, he's a preacher, you could tell it was real to him. It tugged on our heart, because we can relate. Amen. You have that, you have that uh, Spirit of God in you. Do you know that you know that you know? Romans 8, 16, the Spirit itself bear witness with our spirit that we're the child of God. Has the Spirit of God given you assurance? You can have it, 1 John, 1 John 5, 13. These things are written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that you have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Talking about Gene, I went to see him Tuesday before we left, Tuesday. He's up at St. Mary's with his dear wife. Not been feeling good after the surgery. He kind of befuddled again in his thinking, can't read good, wants to serve the Lord with the remainder of his life. It was difficult for Gene, I could tell. I went in, very frustrating, trying to talk to me, 
put his words back together again. And he said something like this, I just want to be able to serve and help others. I told him, I said, Brother Gene, you are teaching and serving. You are showing us how to handle what you're going through with grace and with joy. With joy. One of the ways God has used Gene and Nancy is their great testimony. I had walked in the room and there was an elderly lady there and she was a helper at the hospital. When I came in, she was so vibrantly happy. I could see it. And, and uh, Nancy was hugging her and they were rejoicing. And, and uh, Jean said, she just got saved. I said, what do you mean she just got He said, we've known this lady for years. She's in Bible study with Nancy every week. She's gone to church for years. But for years we've been concerned about her because she never has been able to tell us a time in which she's gotten saved. She, she just doesn't know. She said, I've gone to church. I've tried. I, I'm a good person. I'm volunteering, good works and all this stuff. Religious. But what she was rejoicing is, she says, I just got saved. She said, I, Jean and Nancy were talking to me that you should know. And she said, I wanted to know. And so she prayed and invited Jesus in her. And they were excited. But man, she was really excited. And I told Jean, I said, well, God is using you, Jean, even laying in that bed with what's going on in your life. See, that's, that's real Christianity. Real Christianity when real things are not going right. When you're suffering and you're not sure about tomorrow and, and you're not having a pity party and feeling sorry for yourself. Just like he said not long ago here, whatever happens is all right with me. Me and God, we're good. He means that. And he shows that. Now, you need to have a faith like that. And if you don't, God help you. That's where the Lord wants us to bring in maturity that God's in charge. But you've got to have him. You can't make it up. You can't fake it up. Amen. That's where it says, you know, no power. Having the form of godliness, but not the substance. Amen. So I left that day full of joy. After talking to that dear lady, as she knew, now I know. Now I know, and now I know the day, and now I know where I was, and now I know for sure that I'm on my way to heaven. It meant so much to her. And then the church... Growth and continuous, this is a blessing. Verse 5 of our text is for certain. You can be certain. Look back to our text, Psalm 87. Look at verse 5. I'm almost done. And of Zion it shall be said, this and that man was born in her, and the highest himself shall establish her. The Lord shall establish you and I. It's a sure thing. Growth for the Christian and continuance as a Christian is for certain. He shall establish her. It's great to know that you're a part of the family of God. Mark 16, 15, I say unto ye, thou art Peter again, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It's a sure thing. Now, there's many forces against the church today. But the church shall stand. Jesus said, I will build my church. Now, as a pastor, sometimes I feel, 
I feel inadequate. Sometimes I feel like I should have done a better job. We should be further down the road than we're... But I, I always have to remember, it's not my church. It's Christ's church. I'm the under-shepherd. He's the chief shepherd. You know, every shepherd doesn't have the same size flock. But every flock has a shepherd and a sheep cot that's protection for the sheep. That's what's so wrong for people not to be invested in a good church because they're, 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 they're in danger. They're without the sheepfold. They, they don't have a shepherd abiding over them. Force is always arrayed against the church throughout its inception. Acts 2.47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That's God's business. Our business is to serve the Lord at our very best. He's the one who builds the church. He's the one who protects the church. And then the church's members are eternally secure. Thank God for eternal security. Psalm 87, verse 6, it says, The Lord shall count when he writeth up the people that this man was born there, Selah. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. The Lord keeps the books, amen. Another book, was, which is the book of life, are you in that book? It's that old song, please search the book again. I, I thought my name was there. Please search the book again. Are you in the book of life? Are you sure about it? God, write your name down. You see, God, the members of the church, the truly born again, are eternally secure. You can count on that, just like the shepherd counts the sheep of the sheep cot. You know, God has given, according to his word, two instruments for the shepherd to care for the sheep. The Bible says in Psalm 23, 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. Listen, thy rod and thy staff they comfort me. They're not the same thing. They're not the same instrument. They're two different instruments. Man, I wish I had a microphone stand right now. Uh, listen, I got one. Okay. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You know, the rod is that long stick. It's got a big old knot on it, a big old ball on the end of that. That was a rod for defense. It was a rod for protection. The shepherd would beat back those wild animals. He would, he would use that for several purposes. Sometimes he'd use it to correct the sheep. Put a knot on your head if he has to. In love. But it was, it was, but the staff, thy rod and thy staff. The staff was interesting. The staff has that, got that crook on the end of it, a shepherd's crook. And you know, he used that to go get the sheep that were, they were cast. To be cast as a sheep is a terrible thing. They, they can't get up. When a sheep falls over, they can't get up. Like a turtle, you know. They, they, and they get bloated. And they sit in the sun and the gases get, that won't gross you out, but I mean, it's not a good thing. But the shepherd loving his sheep, he'd go looking for them if they got lost. And they'd be down there in the crevice of a rock and he'd take that little crook the long crooked, and you go down there, get him up by maybe a, a, a hip, or uh, maybe you get it under that little, that little lamb and pull it out of there to safety. You know what else he'd do with that crook? 
he would inspect them every, every time they came back from the day. And he would take it and take that and entwine it in the wool. And he'd look around and inspect them if there was any kind of an infestation or a mite or something that would irritate them. They'd get in their ears and they would go crazy in their head. And his job was, and then he'd anoint them with oil. That oil was to protect them and medic, be medical, uh, uh, a Medicaid for them. Oh, that, that crook was so important. One of the most important things about that crook is as they come in at, after a day, they come under that, that staff and he'd count them. One, two, 90 and nine. Uh-oh, one's missing. And what would he do? He'd go out and find it. Put it on his shoulders. Bring him home. The Lord knows every one of his flock. But are you in the flock? Amen. I read that the shepherds would take that oil. They always carried oil with them. And they'd look for adders or snake holes. And they'd pour it around the snake hole. So the snake would come up and couldn't get out. It's slippery. That's written by a shepherd. All these things were important. But the most important be counted. See, friend, he knows everything you're going through. Because he's a good shepherd. There's not one thing in your life that's going on that he doesn't know about. Let him, let him, let him lead you. Amen. And we could go on and on about that psalm, but I wanted you to understand that rod was to correct and ward off, but that staff was to count and to inspect and to rescue and to, uh, and, and, to, uh, and, and, and to be a blessing and a help when they were getting a little too far. He'd bring them back. Thank God for the good shepherd in our life. He knows us by name and all that the Father giveth me, John six thirty seven shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. John 17, 12, While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and, and have of them, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. I think there's some folks outside the sheep cot, outside the flock, because they've chosen to not follow. Judas was never saved. Don't say he was saved and lost his salvation. It's not true. Son of perdition means devoted to destruction. Never was in. But he went to church. Are you in? Are you saved? Is the role going to be called up yonder and you'll be there? It's important. Not only John 5, 13 says these things are written that you may know. But it says in 1 John 5, 20, and we know that the Son of God has come. He had given us understanding that we may know him that is true and we are in him that is true even in Jesus Christ that is true God in eternal life. He's a sure foundation. Lastly, the church's worship is accepted and pleasing to the Lord. Look at verse 7. As well the singers as the players on instruments shall be there. All my springs are in thee. All my 
life substance is in thee. What a wonderful institution, the church. Zion is pictured here as the ch Christian church. But there are some people today, maybe, maybe your family members, maybe a friend, maybe a co-worker. You know, it's, it's something. Somebody gets saved and every, there's people that are happy, but you'll always have somebody that's going to be negative about it. Somebody at work, somebody in the family, some acquaintance, some neighbor. Listen. The Lord loves you. Put you in the church for your protection, for your growth. Put you in the church for fellowship and worship and praise. Put you in the church for your instruction. Amen. Don't sidestep the church. So many try. They say they want liberty. They don't want liberty. They want a license to sin. Be part of the established, visible local church. Amen. God wants you in church. He he wants to use your gifts. He wants to show you what they are, and you develop them, and then use them for the glory of God. But why don't some people want to do the church? They don't want authority. See, that was all this about. The scripture talked about Matthew. That he was one having authority. And there was a bunch of religious Pharisees. They didn't want no authority. But people today, they don't want to get in a church. I mean, get in a church, because they don't want any authority. Number two, they don't want responsibility. You know, in any family, there's, there's responsibility. Chores. We all had chores. I don't know, maybe you didn't raise your kids that way we did. You had chores. And at the end of the day, chores better get done. My dad was a lost man, but you know what? He did so many Christian things. He, he, he found them through his parenting, his, his family and Man, you had chores. The chores weren't done. Dad got home. You know, there was a, there was a, there was a, a switch. My dad grabbed anything he could. Now, he wouldn't be politically correct today. We lived in the neighborhood of ruffians there. Evergreen Schoolcraft. Mrs. Davis, if you didn't get beat by your parents for doing wrong, the, the neighbors would beat you. <laughs> Mrs. Davis would take a coffee pot cord to us boys. You've never, been, you've never been swung at by a coffee core. You don't know what sting means. That's the way it was. You know what? It seemed like they survived and became good citizens. But people don't want to be in a church because they don't want authority. They don't want responsibility. And here's another word they don't want. Accountability. There's danger out there. And the chief shepherd knows all his sheep. And he wants us safe in the fold. And that's the local church. Now I said all that to say this. If you're a believer and you've been born again, you need to be scripturally baptized. You need to demonstrate your faith in Jesus Christ. Then you need to get in the church. The local, corporate, called out assembly of people. God says in Hebrews 10, 24, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves as the manner of some is, Exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. And it says in 1 John 2, 19, of that group, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have no doubt continued with us. But they went out that it might be made manifest that they were not all of us. You're going to run into people that say they're a Christian, doesn't mean they're Christian. You're going to run into people that say, I don't, we don't need the church, we don't need that, that guard, we just want to... Today is a day of easy believism and comfortable Christianity. 
You don't find that through the pages of the book. Know this, the Lord has a fold, and he has sheep, and he's accountable to them, and they have him. And when you're outside of the protection of the church, you're, you're in danger. The lion, seeking whom he may devour, lions wait in the tall grass, and they're looking for the young, the old, the weak, the sick, the hurt, to take them down. So if you come to church and you're never part of the church, then you're in danger zone. You need to find yourself in the church. And I'll close with this. I like that last verse, verse 7. For all my springs are in thee. The head of the church is the source of the spring. Amen. All our joy, all our happiness, all the fruitfulness is in Jesus Christ. I don't know, maybe your relationship, maybe you're in, maybe you're saved, but maybe your relationship with Christ is not good. Maybe you're wandering. Maybe you're in some kind of sin. I was talking to Brother Mackay the other day. He was asking about the Lord's Supper, and he mentioned to me how he did the Lord's Supper and wanted to know how we did it here, and pretty much the same. And I told him that I said, one of the things, though, I think the Lord's Supper is so important for is not only, obviously, the main thing is a memorial of Christ, Think about what he did for us. But it's also for safety. Because it says this, let a man examine himself. And when you have the Lord's Supper, we're all supposed to inspect our hearts and life and make sure that we're right with God, in tune with God, in step with God. And we have that little time where we bow our heads and we pray. You know, the Holy Spirit will point out things in my heart. There have been times where the Lord would not let me take the Lord's Supper until I confessed it as sin and God forgive me, put it under the blood. And so not only is that Lord's Supper that we have as a church every now and then important to worship the Lord, amen, but also to keep us safe, to get our sin confessed. But we don't have to wait for the Lord's Supper this morning. If there's been something going on as a Christian that you know is not right, the Holy Spirit's spoken to you, warned you, the, Lord, the Holy Spirit's been dealing with you about something, hey, get it right. Ask the Lord's forgiveness. Put it under the blood. Amen. Because the Lord knows the sheep. I'll close with this. I praise God for the church. I love the church. Do you love the church? I, I want to say this. Are you a member of a Bible-believing, Bible-practicing Christian church? Amen. If not, why not? But I want to give some instruction here because I know at the end of a message like this you can have four or five people say, so I want to be, you, you got to understand this, you must be saved. You got to be saved. You got to know you're saved. You must be scripturally baptized. You, you can't go and get baptized somewhere and somebody says, get saved to be saved. No, get saved to stay saved. No, that's not scriptural. Scriptural baptism is you get born again. You submit to scriptural baptism with the right authority, which is the local church. Amen. The right mode by immersion, not by sprinkling or pouring. Because the, the, the baptism going under the water is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He died, he rose again for our justification. And then... If you're presently unaffiliated with a Bible-believing church, you should seek God's leadership. Don't just do it happen, happen chance. You should pray about it. Come talk, come talk to Pastor Brown. You know, in the back of our bulletin, 
I believe. Back to your bulletin today. I think sometimes we change it. It ought to have there how to become a member of Parkview. Is, is it there? Yeah. Who's got one of those? Let me. You got one handed up here. Grab, grab that. It's a, thank, heard Mark? I don't, bit of, I don't feel a bit sorry for you. We'll close with this. This is important. How to become a member of Parkview Baptist Church, number one, by profession of faith in Jesus Christ and believers' baptism. Number two, by letter of recommendation from another church of like faith. Maybe you've moved here. Maybe there's a re But, you know, if you can't be recommended, there's a problem. You need to take care of the problem before you come here and become a problem. Just trying to be nice, but... Some people ask me about church. I say, well, are you under any church discipline? And I've had people say, no, no, not at all. Okay. Some say, yes, then go back there and get it right. Amen. Number, number three, by baptism, if you're coming from another denomination, see, because other denominations teach that baptism is part of their salvation. Baptism has nothing to do with you being saved or staying saved. So if you're coming from a denomination that teaches that, then you need to be baptized scripturally. And then sometimes it says here by statement of faith, you've been saved, you've been scripturally baptized. Maybe the church is defunct. Maybe the church doesn't exist anymore. Then what we do is we take people by their statement. I've been saved, I was scripturally baptized. And that's between you and God. But we, so these four and no more do we take people. So you preach something about the local church. So you know, you're right. We need to well, listen. Come talk to us. Come talk to Pastor Williams. Make sure you understand. And if God gives you liberty to do that, then get in. Get in not to go. Get in to stay. Get in to serve. Get in to glorify God. Amen. Because the local church is God's plan and God's will for everyone that's been born again. And people that get saved, but then they don't have anything to do with the church, they're out of fellowship with God. I don't care what they say. They can't be right when it says so much about how God loves the church. This one psalm right here. All my springs are in thee. Somebody says, oh, I love the Lord, but I don't want anything to do with the church. It doesn't go together. It just doesn't match scripture. Mark it down. You know what people, they don't want authority. They don't want responsibility. They don't want accountability. Let's bow our heads if we would, every head bow. Father, thank you for the church. And Lord, we've been talking about salvation, all that brings us to salvation, all that salvation brings to us. We thank you, Lord, for the glorification of the saints that one day will be in heaven when we pass this life. Lord, we talked about being willing to stand up, speak up for you, and to be numbered. Lord, part of that's scriptural baptism. I pray today, Lord, that if there's anyone here that's outside the church, that you'll speak to them. Holy Ghost, Teach them through thy word the importance of the assembly of the saints. Lord, I for one, I want to do more for you. I, I want to be every part and facet of the local church. I want to be a help. I want to use my gifts here in this body of belief. Thank you for Parkview Baptist Church, Lord. Thank you for Parkview Baptist Church in my life when I was a new convert. When I was a young man just married, when I when I was being brought up through this church, discipled by leaders, when I was sent out of this church as a young preacher for instruction, ministry, Lord, this church, Father, sent me on my way to 
to start another church, to build another plant, church plant. Lord, they received us back into full fellowship. Lord, by your sovereignty, you brought us back here. Been here all these years. You're a good God, Lord. I thank you for how this church has played such a huge role in our life. Me and Pam, our children, now our grandchildren, have been so blessed because of our unity with this local assembly. Give that to other families, Lord. Maybe someone's here today, they've never been saved. Help them to come and get that straight. Maybe someone's been saved but never scripturally baptized. Help them to come, Lord, and submit to that. Maybe someone's kind of just, they're in, they're in faith, they believe in Christ, but they've never become part of a body. I pray you lead and guide them. Lord, we want your will, we pray, in these matters. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.